the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Romans. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. God is judge. We're guilty as sinners. We deserve hell. We deserve condemnation. We deserve punishment. We've inherited a sin nature through Adam. You say, I don't think that's fair. Well, let me tell you what also isn't fair. That God in his infinite love for us gave his son Jesus a dying cross for us so you don't have to be condemned. So that you don't have to go to hell. But you can be saved and rescued, sins forgiven, and go to heaven when you die. I mean, that isn't fair either, friends, but I'll take that. Praise God. Right? That isn't fair. I mean, what would be fair... Is, is I should be condemned to death. I should be condemned to hell. Guilt is a difficult thing. No one likes feeling guilty. We all know what it's like to hurt someone's feelings or to do something that we know we shouldn't. That guilt can eat away at our joy and our lives. But in Jesus, there is no more condemnation for sin. Through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, we can choose to accept His free gift of salvation. And through that free gift, we can be made free from guilt. God promises to cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, an unimaginable and impossible distance. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Romans, chapter 5, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Now, the problem becomes that a lot of people try to compensate for their imperfect lives by just trying to do a lot of good things, by just trying to compensate for their sinful lives, though they may not even refer to it like that, by trying to be a really good person, trying to do a lot of good things, trying to be really nice, really kind, you know, and doing good to all people, that kind of a motto, right? Okay, and that's the way a lot of people think that they can compensate for their sinful nature. And that's noble. It's honorable. I mean, I like it when, when people try to do good things. It's a good thing. I like it better than when people do bad things, don't you? All right? If your neighbor is a good person, you like your neighbor. When your neighbor's doing bad things, you don't like your neighbor. So it's good when people try to do good things. But being good and doing good things by themselves we'll never be able to compensate for our sinful nature, ever. Because, I mean, just try it for a day. Just, just try it for a day. Just, just try to do everything just right for a day. No, 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 let me take it back. Try it for half a day. Try just for half a day to do and say everything just, no, I take it back. Try for an hour. <laughs> try for an hour just to do everything. All right, anyway, you get the point. Because, because we can't. As soon as you just try, I'm going to do everything just right. I'm going to do it. You, you can't. You can't do it. And the Bible says if you stumble at one point of the law, you're guilty of breaking it all. Because you can't justify yourself by saying, well, out of the Ten Commandments, I only violated three. Well, good for you. But three still means you're a sinner. 
And so we've got a problem. Because we can't compensate for our sin nature, and then we can't reconcile the relationship with God, because he's perfect and we're not. So what, what are we to do? Well, that's the rest of this part here, because Paul then says, just as sin entered the world through one man, and thus all have sinned, salvation came through one, and that's Jesus. And through him, we can all be forgiven and saved. That's the beauty of the rest of this. So look again. Verse 14, back back at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. And so he's going to then make the case for Jesus. Adam is a pattern only in this sense. One man did something that affected everybody else. Okay, So he's a pattern of the one to come, that is Jesus, who is one man who did something that affected everybody else. But it was the opposite of what Adam did. Now, I want you to notice also, before we move too quickly here, that he talks about how sin was in the world even between Adam and Moses. Why does he mention that there in verse 14? Because Moses was given the law by God. Moses was given the law by God, which defined what sin was. But Paul says here, but people were still sinning before the law was given. It's just that the law gives definition to it. If there were no speed limits out on any road, which some of you would love, but if there were no speed limits on any road, and you were just driving however you wanted to drive, you know, you'd be violating the law even though it wasn't posted. The only reason you know you're violating the law is when it gets posted, then there's, then there's a line of demarcation that then defines what you're doing. And thus the law enters the scene through Moses, given by God, but Paul's saying, even before Moses, people were sinning. Look, what happened, what happened to one of the kids of Adam and Eve? Cain kills Abel. Now, the law wasn't given through Moses until centuries later. So was Cain still guilty of breaking the law, even though there wasn't a written code? Of course he was, because murder is wrong. And so we're all guilty, pre-law, post-law, wherever you are in relation to the law, because we have a sin nature, it's just that the law gives definition to the sin. So now, verse 15, and it begins with, and pardon the expression, I mean it only in a biblical context, it begins with a big but. Look at verse 15, but the gift, circle the word gift, is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, that's Adam, How much more did God's grace, you can circle that word, and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Okay, so that's a mouthful. Let's first take a look at the second word on the list, which is grace, because he uses that word three times in that section I just read. Grace, again, is God's unearned, undeserved favor. And he says that grace comes to us, God's unearned, Uh, The unearned, undeserved favor comes from God to us 
because of a gift. Now, he uses the word gift five times in in that section I just read there between verses 15, 16, and 17. We'll come back back to that word. But I, I want you to notice again that he's going to contrast what Adam did with what Jesus did. Adam sins, and thus the whole human race becomes spoiled. Jesus dies, and thus the whole human race, for as many as believe and receive him by faith, can be saved. So what Adam did, Christ came to undo that we might be made righteous before God. Not of our own merit, out of our own worth, not because we've done something, not because we've earned it, not because we deserved it, not because we worked hard enough, but just because it's a gift from God. Now I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, so let's move on first to verse 18. I'll come back to it. Verse 18, consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness, that is Jesus dying on a cross, was justification, circle that word, that brings life for all men. Okay, so here's a third term so we can understand all the the big terms here in Romans, justification is the legal and formal acquittal from guilt by God as judge and his pronouncement on us as righteous in his sight. I know that's a mouthful, but basically the idea of justification is, is that God is judge, we are guilty, and he has acquitted us because of what Christ has done. He's acquitted us, and he's pronounced us righteous. So it's not just that he says you're acquitted, he says, I now see you as righteous, as, as godly and holy because of what my son has done when you believe in the sacrifice of my son on your behalf. And so God is judge. We're guilty as sinners. We deserve hell. We deserve condemnation. We deserve punishment. We've inherited a sin nature through Adam. You say, I don't think that's fair. Well, let me tell you what also isn't fair. That God in his infinite love for us gave his son Jesus a dying cross for us so you don't have to be condemned. So that you don't have to go to hell. But you can be saved and rescued, sins forgiven, and go to heaven when you die. I mean, that isn't fair either, friends, but I'll take that. Praise God, right? That isn't fair. I mean, what would be fair is, is I should be condemned to death. I should be condemned to hell. But God in his love for me sent his son Jesus. In his love for you, sent his son Jesus. And by faith in him, we, we get to be forgiven. We get to be saved. Okay, so that's justification. Now keep reading. Verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many, human race, were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, dying on a cross, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. Now, all that means is you don't know what the sin is, what the trespass is, until it stands juxtaposed with the law. And, and so in that sense, sin increased, only because when there was no law, you didn't know what sin was, okay? So it's not that the law is given and then more and more sin, it's just that it exposes and defines what sin is, okay? But where sin increased, here's the good news, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This survey was done by the Barna Research Group, surveying people who identified themselves as born-again or evangelical Christians. This is not a survey of just general Americans. These are actually people who say, I'm born again, I love Jesus as my Savior, I, I see myself as an evangelical Christian. And still, these numbers 
are terrible. So here's the question the survey asked, can a good person earn a place in heaven? All right? Can a good person earn a place in heaven? What's the answer to that, friends? No. No. You cannot earn a place in heaven. You can't earn it. Okay? Now, they broke the survey down by church size, and the number got better the bigger the church was. I'm not sure exactly why that is, but anyway. So here are the numbers. So those who said, yeah, yeah, you can kind of earn your way to heaven. Churches of, a, of a one to a hundred. 67% of those who said they're born-again evangelical Christians said, yes, I can earn my way to heaven. Man, the Bible's not being taught in that church, friends. That's all I can tell you. And then it gets slightly better, but it is still alarming. 61%, 53%, 52% in churches that number over a 1,000. So our church would fall in this category, but still 45% of people who identify as born-again evangelical Christians say, yep, I, I can earn my way to heaven. Good luck. Let me tell you something. Christianity is distinct from all other world religions. In this regard, why? Every other world religion believes that you have to do something, earn something, strive, work, accomplish something in order to get to heaven. Christianity is the only world religion, when you understand what Jesus came to do, that says you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, you can't work your way to heaven, but God sent his son Jesus dying on a cross so that you might receive it as a free gift. Now, on that note, let's go back to this section between verses 15 and 17. I'm going to read it again. I want you to circle every time the word gift is there because this is important, understanding salvation. So again, verse 15, but the gift... In fact, here's what I want you to do. Every time we see the word gift, I want you to say it out loud with me, okay? Here we go. Ready? That means you got to read now, all right? Don't look at me. Read it. Look at your Bibles. Verse 15, but the gift is not like, that's good, it's not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the of God is not like the result of the, of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the yes. followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the yes. of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? What is salvation, friends? It's a gift. Okay? Now, it's a gift. Now, I want to break it down so we understand this so that there's no confusion about what salvation is. Because salvation, the word was mentioned five times. You did a wonderful job reading it out loud with me. It is a gift. It is a gift. Now, I'm going to put this on human level so that we all understand the importance of what a gift is and how it works. Because this is how salvation is. So for you note takers, first of all, a gift is an expression of of love. Now, don't over-spiritualize this, so don't raise your hand on this question. It's a rhetorical question, all right? But some of you might because you, you did something very noble. But go with me on this. How many of you typically give gifts to people you don't like? All right? Don't raise your hand. If there's probably somebody here who's like, yes, the Lord told me to give a gift to somebody. All right, thank you. 
But for the rest of us who are not as spiritual, you don't typically give a gift to somebody you don't like. You give gifts to people you love. That's the nature of a gift. You give gifts to people that you love. And that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He loved everybody. Doesn't love our sin. Doesn't love when we rebel against him. But he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his son as a gift. Salvation is a gift. You give gifts to people whom you love. In fact, if, if you haven't read this book and you're married, I encourage you to get the book, The Five Love Languages. I think it's by Gary Chapman. The Five Love Languages. It's a great book. Terry and I read it together. One of the, it basically says that everybody feels loved in one of five ways. And one of the five love languages is gifts. And there are some people who just feel especially loved um, when you give them a gift. It doesn't have to be very expensive. It can just be something that shows that you care about them. Okay? Some of you may have identified that in your lives. How many of you think that, yeah, it's kind of a love language. I really feel loved when somebody gives me a gift. Don't be embarrassed. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Okay? So some of you now, if you're married to somebody who raised your hand, you better get on it. <laughs> you better get on it, my friend. Okay? Because gifts is the way they feel loved. So when you give a gift, it is an expression of love. Because you don't give gifts to somebody you don't like, unless Jesus tells you to do that. All right. But secondly, a gift is costly. Now, it doesn't mean it's expensive. You, you can get a very, you can give a very wonderful gift and you can receive a wonderful gift. It doesn't have to be expensive in that sense. But it will always cost the giver something. Okay, it will always cost the giver something. Maybe it's even something you made. Well, the material you had to buy or, or, or purchase somewhere, even if you made that blanket or you, or you carved that headboard or, or whatever it might be, you still had to get the material somewhere. It cost you, and it cost you time. It cost you some kind of effort. It cost you maybe financially, obviously, in some way. So a gift is also costly. It always costs the giver something, maybe a lot, maybe a little, but it always costs the giver something. Third thing about a gift, we'll tie all this together, just bear with me. Third thing about a gift is it is freely given versus earned, right? If you earned it, it's not really a gift by definition. It's not. You, nobody comes home at the end of a payday and waves their paycheck and says, hey, hey, honey, look, look at the gift the boss gave me. <laughs> no, no, that's not a gift. You earned that. You worked hard for that. That's not a gift by definition. You worked for that. But a true gift is something you didn't work for. You didn't earn it. Because by definition, a gift is freely given. So it has nothing to do with your performance, with how well you did. or, or it, it is just the, the, the heart of the giver to freely express something. And you didn't earn it. You didn't strive for it, work for it. It's freely given. Fourth thing about a gift is this, that it is unconditional. If a gift is truly a gift, it doesn't come with any strings attached. Now, some of you have probably received a gift with some strings attached, and it bugs you, doesn't it? It bugs you. And it should. But if somebody, if somebody, and they slip it in subtly, don't they? Like, I just, I just felt led to give this to you. Just wanted to give you this wonderful gift. By the way, uh, could you walk my dogs next week? Because I'm going on vacation, 
And, uh, and so I'm going to leave the dogs at the house. But I, I just wanted to give this to you. Would you mind walking the dog? And you're like, yeah, gee, thanks. And you take the gift, and now you're walking the dogs for the next week. And you're like, gee whiz, why? You know, I wouldn't mind walking the dogs if they just asked me. But yeah, I don't like when somebody gives you a gift, do you? And then they have something attached, like there's a string attached. It's like, if you would maybe do this for me here. It's, you don't even want to take the gift, do you? You might be inclined to say, ah, I don't really want the gift. Thank you. If that means I have to walk your dogs, I don't want the gift. So a gift truly is unconditional. No strings attached. Fifth and final thing is a gift is to be received. If someone has a gift for you, but you don't receive it, how is it really a gift? It might be intentional on the giver's part that, it, that it's a gift. But if you don't end up actually receiving it, well, it's not really a gift. Now, put all this together, okay? Because this is the way salvation is. It is an expression of love. The reason why Jesus dies on the cross is because he loves us. God loves us. Loved the world. Gave his only begotten son, okay? It is an expression of his love towards us. It is also costly. Jesus gave his life. He paid the supreme sacrifice for us to be saved. Gave his life on a cross so that as many as believed in him, to them that received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, it was very costly. Shed his blood for you and me. Salvation is also freely given. It is not earned. Again, none of us, it sounds like a broken record, but none of us earn salvation. None of us deserve salvation. None of us works our way to heaven. Jesus dies on a cross and then he freely extends the opportunity for you to accept that what he did on the cross, on your behalf and my behalf, is sufficient to satisfy the wrath of a righteous judge so that we might be freely forgiven. Everything we've ever done erased from our record. You know, you know when, when, when kids end up committing crimes and they go to juvie for a while, and then if they committed the crime before they're 18, then they, they serve some kind of time or they do community service, and then their record is expunged almost like they never committed it. If, you're before, if it's before you're 18, right? If you're after 18, it's going to go on your record. You're going to have a record. Well, the reality is that all of us are, in a sense, over 18. Everything we've ever done was listed on a record, and the rap sheet is long. And Jesus comes along and he expunges the record. It's like, it's like it was never committed when we put our faith and trust in what he did. Freely given, not earned, unconditional, no strings attached. Jesus doesn't say... You can be saved if you believe on me and do something else. Unconditional, no strings attached. Freely given, freely received, which is the last point. You can't be saved if you just have a head knowledge of all this. It's a gift on a shelf. You have to receive it. You have to believe and then accept it. That what Christ has done for you is sufficient to save you. For the forgiveness of your sins, to be able to go to heaven when you die. So, though, though he extends it, this is why when some people say, well, you know, everybody's going to go to heaven, right? I mean, you know, as long as you just, you know, believe. Hey, the Bible says even the demons of hell believe and tremble, okay? You can have a head knowledge of who Christ is and not go to heaven, friends, because the gift has to be received, has to be appropriated. You have to actually invite him. Yes, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and save me. Once you pray something simple like that, then you've received the gift. Again, for as many as received him, 
to them that believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we have to receive it as well. And that sometimes takes some humility. We have to humble ourselves. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as we dig into the book of Romans. Isn't Paul's faith inspiring? Did you know you can download our mobile app and take Cornerstone Connection with you wherever you take your phone? That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word right at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to meet you in person, too, at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Stop in for a service this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m., or join us for our Bible study and fellowship on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pastor Gary would love to shake your hand and answer any questions you may have about the study about Cornerstone Chapel, or about how you can have a relationship with God. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can listen to additional teachings from this study or read accompanying resources on our site as well. Just look under the Teachings tab. That's all we have for today, but join us next time to learn more from the Book of Romans right here on Cornerstone Connection. Got no place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.